Welcome to Faith That Works in Real Life, the weekly sermon podcast produced by Messiah Lutheran Church in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Let's get started. You know, I love Mark's gospel. Mark's gospel is my favorite gospel, and I have a little thing in my, my message about why I love Mark's gospel. Um, but when I saw this text today, I wasn't excited, because how do you talk to kids about demons? I I don't know, um, but um, it's a powerful story uh, as we think about it, um, just the progression of it. Um, can I invite you, if, 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 if you've got your, your Bible on your phone, that's wonderful, but if not, there's Bibles in the pews, and I, I just want to kind of share something with you. Uh, my excitement about this text. This is probably very nerdy pastor stuff, but uh, I think it's on page 845. 844. 843 is where it starts. And the reason I, I, I want to show you this, all right? So it even tells you, it even starts at the very top there in the introduction, right? It says, this is the shortest of the four New Testament books. That's one of the reasons I love it, because it's the shortest, right? You can read it the quickest. But, but Mark's gospel is just, it's raw, it's intense, it's fast. The story moves really fast, uh, and, it, and, it, and it's pretty amazing. In fact, um, if you can look, verse 1 there, it, it's at the you know, bottom of the page, right? It says, this is the good news about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Right? See, Mark's gospel doesn't have, it doesn't have the, uh, the, the, the Christmas story, right? Luke, Matthew and Luke. It doesn't have a genealogy, right? Um, John's gospel has this long theological kind of dissertation in the beginning, right? It doesn't have that, right? Mark's gospel says, this is the good news. Now, um, the reason why that's important, because the word for good news there is evangelion, right? Evangelion. It sounds like jellyon at the end. This is thinking about donuts. Anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, and the reason why that's important, because that word was used. So, like, when the Romans won a war, they had a messenger that took the evangelion to other places, to announce that the war was over, the war was won, right? So the good news really was about victory, right? And so when you read this, it's kind of like saying, this is the good news or the victory about Jesus Christ. That's how important it is. You know, remember, um, you've seen, um, at least they tell me, right? Uh, back in the 30s, 40s maybe, right? Kids would be on the, the corner selling newspapers, right? And be Get your story, read all about it, the war is over, that kind of thing, right? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, just nod with me and just pretend like you, you agree with me. All right, that's, but that's kind of what Mark is doing here. This is the good news, the victory, right? And he's writing this to people that were probably Gentile. They were living in, in, in Roman oppression or living under Roman occupation, 
And Mark's writing this and saying, this is good news. This is the victory about Jesus Christ in your life right now, right here. And it's so, it's so, um, it, it, it grabs you as, as you read it, right? Um, and so that's important to understand about Mark's gospel, that this is uh, about victory in our lives right now, right? And so from that point on, the rest of Mark's gospel is about who Jesus is. Right? Say it with me. Who Jesus is. That is what Mark's gospel is all about. Who Jesus is. All the stories are about people recognizing and learning and figuring out who Jesus is. Right? I mean, if you, keep, if you turn the page, the next story is about John the Baptist, right? And they tell us who Jesus is. John says, I'm not the one. There's someone coming after me that's better than me, that's greater than me. It's Jesus. And then Jesus gets baptized. You read down just a few more verses there. You see in the black letters, the baptism of Jesus. He gets baptized. And, And it's, you know, what happens? Jesus comes out of the water. Some versions say the heavens tore apart. But then a voice comes and says, this is my son. This is my dear son. This is who this is about. It's who Jesus is. This is God's son. And then if you go down just a little bit further, it says Jesus begins his work. We talked about this last week. John gets arrested and all of a sudden Jesus is in the limelight. And he's going around preaching good news. And what is his message? The kingdom of God is near. Jesus now becomes the, he's in the spotlight. It's not John the Baptist anymore because he's in prison. Jesus is in the spotlight. And the part that we didn't look at last week is Jesus chooses four fishermen. He chooses four fishermen. He just says, come and follow me. And they go. In Mark's story. In Mark's story. And then that brings us to today. That's, that, that brings us to this, this story today, right? All of a sudden, Jesus and his disciples are in Capernaum. And what you'll hear next week is that's where, that's where Simon Peter is from. Simon Peter lives in Capernaum. And all of a sudden, that's where they're at. And Jesus goes to the synagogue in Capernaum, and he just begins to teach. And he begins to teach, and the people are amazed at his power, at his teaching. They're like, wow, we've never heard preaching and teaching like that before. And the people are amazed. And this is what they say. He teaches with authority. With authority. So let's read our gospel today. Uh, It starts at verse 21, and I'm going to read the one that's on the screen. It's going to be a little different version than, just a little bit different than what you have in those Bibles there. Or you're welcome to follow along on the screen as well. 
It says this, Jesus and his disciples went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Just then there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed, and they kept on asking one another, what is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once, his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. So this is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. So one of my favorite stories, uh, sorry. One of my favorite stories is about a, a federal agent who goes to a farm, right? And he finds the farmer, old guy, old farmer in the barn working on something. And the agent goes to him and says, I need to inspect your property. There's been some complaints. So the farmer says, okay, inspect all whatever you want to do. He said, just don't go over there. So the agent replies, like kind of puffy, right? Do you know that I have authority? And he takes a badge from his pocket and says, look, this means I can go anywhere I want to on this property. No questions asked. Do you understand? Farmer apologizes and goes back to what he's doing. A few minutes later, he hears a scream and he sees this officer running and there's a big bull chasing him the farmer drops his tools turns and runs to the fence and he screams at the top of his lungs show him your badge show him your badge authority it's an interesting word because in our language it comes from a french word most of our words come from Latin, right? But this, uh, the word authority comes from a French word called autorite, right? right? And it goes back to the word author, like one who writes something authoritative, authoritative or something that influences. And there's another word that, that it's connected to. It's oct, octorite. Right? And that goes to the word authenticity, meaning something that's real or factual that gives it authority. So authority is an interesting word, especially in our context today. You think about our nation today. Who has authoritative power in our nation? We see this conversation happening between the various branches, between the judicial branch and the legislative branch, and the executive branch, or even in states for that matter. Who has the power over abortion rights? Who has the power over gun laws? Or what a president can do or can't do or decide? 
Or is it the state's authority? Is immigration a state issue? Do the states have authority? What about what teachers can teach or can't teach? What about racism and slavery? Who's allowed to do that? Who makes that decision? Faith That Works in Real Life is brought to you by Messiah Lutheran Church in Fort Wayne, Indiana. To learn more about how to connect with our church community, please visit messiahlc.com. Let's get back to the message. Authority is a big word in our society today. Who has it? We can't agree who has it. The church isn't any different. Whether it's the, a national church body or even a local church, who has authority? Whose interpretation of Scripture is authoritative? Is it Pastor Tim's? Is it the bishop? Joel Osteen? Who has the authority? Jesus gives the church authority to baptize and to commune, to forgive sins, even to bind and loose sin. What that means is the church can declare what is or what isn't a sin. Matthew chapter 16. Who has the authority in the local church? Is it the board of directors? Is it the church council? Is it the elders? Or is it the pastors and the staff? Or does the bishop step in and make a decision? There's lots of examples to talk about relating to authority in our society today. But I want to point us back to our gospel reading. Because Jesus steps in to the synagogue to teach. And the listeners are astounded at his teaching. For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. What does that mean? He taught with authority. The Greek word for authority is exousia. It means authority or right or power. Now, there's another word called dunamis. It also means power, right? But, but to distinguish that, that's more power with force. It's, um, it, it's more intimidating. It's more physical-like. So exousia is different than that. It's, it's a lawful or uh, according to, uh, uh, it falls within the standards or the rules, if you will. Jesus taught with that authority. And I'm still not sure if I know what that means, except the story keeps going. We're introduced to this person with a demon. And Jesus has a a conversation with this demon in the person. And while this demon is talking, it says, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus stops him right there. He says, stop. Come out. 
And the demon leaves the man's body. And then our text says again, all the people were amazed. And they kept asking one another, what is this? This teaching with authority. He even commands unclean spirits. Now, I want to give a, a few disclaimers here before, before I go further. First of all, this story in Mark's gospel does not provide an answer to the phenomena of demons, right, which are described here. Right? It could be demons. It could be mental health. Sometimes we can't distinguish that when we read some of the Bible stories. And we don't know, but quite honestly, it's not the point of the story. But secondly, Mark also doesn't give us a blueprint here to, to um, uh, dissect or to understand what demon possession even is. Nor does he give us a series of steps to address it or exercise demons. Again, that's not the point of the story. Do you remember what I said Mark's gospel is all about? Who Jesus is. What Mark does with this story about demons is shift our focus from the, the, the problem, from the malady to the Messiah. Right? Mark uses this healing story to demonstrate the authority of Jesus' word. Now, isn't it interesting? Jesus, like, stops the demon right as soon as the demon recognizes Jesus. It's, it's kind of, it, it makes me wonder, right? The man says these things, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. And Jesus says, be quiet and come out. You'd think that'd be the great uh, uh, time or a great moment of recognition for Jesus. But that's not Jesus' purpose. Sometimes we mistake what Jesus is supposed to do. Right? Jesus doesn't want to be known as Mr. Fix-It of our lives. That's not what Jesus came to do. He doesn't want people just to find room in their hearts for him only because he's a miracle worker. He doesn't want people to follow him only because they think he can simply put bandages on their wounds in life. It's not saying that Jesus can't. But it's important for us to understand, right, because sometimes we have those misconceptions, those misunderstandings, or them, uh, those, those um, uh, out-of-touch uh, uh, expectations of Jesus. Miracle worker, Mr. Fix-It. His immediate action to silence the demons might be for our benefit too. Right? So we don't have unrealistic expectations because we need to be clear that Jesus' purpose was to free people and to empower people to a new relationship with God. Right? His, his message was, this is the good news. The time has been fulfilled. The kingdom has come near. Draw near to God. Repent and believe. So the people whose lives are cluttered by the worries of life, Jesus proclaims that all people are fashioned in God's image. And 
and are the jewel of God's creation. To people who are struggling with life's trials, Jesus proclaims that God's love is an anchor that will allow them to stand against the dangers, both within and without. In short, Jesus proclaims a relationship with God that pushes back our darkness, that pushes back our secrets and our secret fears, and that frees us to walk boldly knowing that every single day of our journey through life is worth the effort in spite of all those things. That's the good news for us. It's to proclaim this kind of trust which believes that God's love for us is so great that life's demons and dangers never, ever have the last word. And who? Who demonstrates this authority? Jesus. Because of who he is. And that's why this story is for us. It provides us insight into Jesus' true identity. Isn't it interesting? The characters in the story don't get it. They don't know who Jesus is. But Mark writes it so that we do. You know, amazement over Jesus' powers doesn't mean that people believe in him or in who he is, to them, he's still Mr. Fix-It. But to us, Jesus is more than that. Jesus is the Son of God, the Word of God who speaks with authority, and even the demons listen. That's why I wanted you to see the beginning of Mark's Gospel to read it, because that's the beginning of the victory of Jesus Christ. He enables us. You know, to, to, this news is, is so important for us. Right? That it radically changes the way we look at and experience life in this world. Right? And Mark can't wait to tell us about it. You know, sometimes in church, and not just, I mean, any church, sometimes we just, you know, we, we, we groom people to say that the answer is Jesus. And on the one hand, that's true. But on the other hand, Jesus is much more than that. Jesus is more than just a Mr. Fix-It. Jesus is a change your life, change your direction kind of power. And Mark is trying to show us that, to show the readers what kind of power this is really about. Let's close with a word of prayer.
Dear God, whether there's demons in people or whether we have our own demons that haunt us or whether there's demons that show through the, in our lives through other people or other circumstances. Your son has the power to overcome them. Your son has the authority to quell those forces in our lives and to make a way for us to navigate this life in this world. Your son came so that we might have life now, today, by trusting in your love for us, shown through his sacrifice on the cross. That no matter what we face, we can make it. That no matter what we face, we can take the next step. Because you promise to be with us. So God, I pray that whoever is fighting those kinds of forces in their life today or whoever may encounter those forces in their life can be anchored to a love that will never quit on us, to a love that will never give up on us, to a love that will always be with us now and forever. We believe, but help our unbelief. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This is the end of our podcast. Thank you for listening to Faith That Works in Real Life, a podcast produced by Messiah Lutheran Church in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Please follow us on social media and listen to our podcast on your favorite platform.